If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips, financial ideas, ways to make money, grow money, maybe help yourself set some parameters about how you might spend money. So I'm kind of a self-confessed bit of a geek. In fact, some might say that I am uh, downright nerdy. I have one of those curious minds. I'm kind of interested in all things financial how people spend money, save money. And I'm also kind of a car girl. I actually really have had like a long love affair with cars. And over the years, I've owned a variety of different kinds of cars. And I'm always interested in things like how much people pay for them, how well they do, what kind of trends make people like them and not like them. So one of my favorite things came out this month, and I thought I'd share that with you. Here's where the nerdy part comes in. This is the Consumer Reports Annual Car Guide. Best and worst cars, things you need to know about trading cars, fixing cars, tips for trying to get more money when you go to sell the car. And just in general, what are people really buying? What are people really paying? And then how to help you think about how you might consider purchasing your next car. But before we dive into all the details, I want you to know we're going to take seven or eight pages of information and try to consolidate it into kind of a checklist of what you need to know as you get ready to go buy your next car and how much car makes sense based on how much money you make. So we'll be back in just a moment and we'll jump right into the subject. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning, with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to newdaysolutions.com for more information. And welcome back. So even though it seems like every time you look around, you're seeing really expensive vehicles going down the road all the time, it really looks like that the average car cost for a new car vehicle in America right now is writing a little over $35,000. That's total purchase price. And it's a wide range of vehicles from top performing models all the way down to economy class cars. So now that we know about what people spend, Guess what? Everybody really isn't buying the Porsche as much as you think they are. Um, And those that are buying the Porsche typically aren't financing the whole thing either, but we'll get onto that in a minute. There are several new cars. In fact, there were 40 in this survey, well-equipped, that you could buy for under $30,000. And they included things like compact SUVs, 
like the Honda CRV, a very popular car. In fact, the most popular compact CRV, the Nissan Rogue. I actually personally love the Rogue. It just, I think it has a very cute little look to it. Subcompact SUVs like the Rogue Sport or the Subaru Crosstrek. Little sports cars like uh, maybe a flashy looking Toyota or a Mazda MX-5 Miata. Those are awful great, especially in the summertime, but lousy in the winter in New England where I live. So if you're going to buy one of those, you better have a place to put it and something else to drive when it snows. But also a ream of mid-pack cars. So the Honda Accord, the Hyundai Sonata, the Kia Optima, the Nissan Altima, the Mazda 6, the Subaru Legacy, the Toyota Camry, and the Volkswagen Passat. Now, compact cars, there were a whole list of cars. So things like the Honda Civic and the Hyundai Elantra, Kia Forte, Kia Soul, you get my idea. There are lots and lots of cars that can be purchased for under $30,000 brand new. So the first question I like to ask is, should I buy used or should I buy new? People ask me this question all the time. And I think there are pros and cons to both sides. If I buy new, I can usually get an extended warranty, whether it's five years and 50,000 miles, or some cars will have even longer warranties, 100,000 miles. Um, so I'll get some things carefully taken care of if they break. If I buy a car that's a couple of years old, what I'm going to get is a significant discount in price. Because what we know is the minute those cars drive off the factory floor and into your garage, they are worth about 20% less because that new car appeal is the biggest year of the deductible, year one to year two, and then year two to year three. So if you're looking for a, say, two-year-old car in the same class, you could spend about $10,000 less, and that's a lot. So if you buy a two-year-old car, that has the life of a warranty on it from another car owner that may be transferable. And then you could buy a car for about two thirds of the new one. And you could still have a warranty that goes two or three years. So it might be really interesting to think about a two-year-old. I always like those kind of lease turnovers. Uh, people ask me a lot about leasing. Should I lease a car? And I always think unless you are uh, able to write all the mileage off, or your company, usually what happens, a lease is a way for you to drive a car that's actually just more, more expensive than you can really afford. So renting a car means that you'll always rent a car. Paying a car loan off means that you could have two, three, even more years where you have no car loan because you've paid your car loan off in full. So if you're a car keeper, and I think those of you who are not car keepers know yourself really well. But if you're a car keeper, meaning you're going to keep the car for a long time, or that's basically how you usually roll, pun intended, then I would buy the car, either new or secondhand, and I would finance it as cheaply as possible. And I would pay it off as quick as I could, and then try to save that car loan money toward the next down payment. And I talked about that in another show, the idea of buying your fourth car or your fifth car for cash and then ever financing cars again. Okay, so now that we've talked about many, many cars that you can buy for under $35,000, let's talk about America's favorite brands. 
I think you won't be surprised to find out that some of America's favorite brands maybe don't sell for under $35,000, but that's not true for Subaru, which was the number one brand in the survey, who has, I think, four cars under $35,000 and has the number one client satisfaction in terms of vehicle loyalty and satisfaction. The next three cars, actually, for that matter, the next four cars are really kind of pricey and outside that $35,000. So there's the Genesis, the Porsche, the Audi, and the Lexus. So you can expect to spend more than $40,000 for all of those, maybe a lot more depending upon which one you pick. But they got very good ratings from drivers that are willing to spend more for a car. So if you're in a position where you have more money to spend on a vehicle, and really enjoy a nice ride, and you're trying to decide, do I pick a fill-in-the-blank or an Audi? Maybe you should look at the Audi. I know that I did. In fact, the Porsche and the Audi outbeat the Lexus, the Lincoln, and the BMW. I was very surprised because I've loved BMWs in the past, but they've actually fallen down a lot in terms of client satisfaction. And I guess as we talk about the cars that have the best satisfaction, it only seems reasonable to talk about the ones that had the lowest satisfaction. So if you're kind of falling in love with a Dodge, a Cadillac, a GMC, an Alfa Romeo, a Jeep, my husband loved the Jeep a Mitsubishi, a Land Rover, a Jaguar, or a Fiat. Give that a second and think about whether or not that car is going to suit your long-term needs. As many of the owners of these cars have said that they either don't live up to their standard, don't have the technology that they would expect at a car in that price, or have had problems that they've had to take the car back. There are so many great cars out there in America. America's kind of like the car capital of the world, if you will, where we have so many cars and so many colors and so many sizes and so many brands that you really can decide that some brands are unreasonable for you to consider based on how well they do. Now, if you want to take a look at this, and it's in this month's Consumer Report, to get more details, you certainly can. But I would say that if you were looking to buy a car, you want to look to a brand that does really well. Actually, the number one car, I think this year was the Honda Accord. In the past, it's been the Honda Civic. You know, it's the kind of car that, for whatever reason, everybody that buys it seems to like it. But there are certain cars like that that you have good customer loyalty. And then as a result, when it comes to the trade-in side, you do a little bit better on trade-in as well because there's more of a ready market. So we're going to talk about trade-in values next and what you can do to increase the value of your trade-in. And here's what I'll say to you. More work, more money. Less work, less money. Let me explain what I mean. You can expect to get 10 to 15% easily more money if you sell your car directly. Now, that's whether or not you put a sign on it, you put it out in the front yard, or you try to sell it on Craigslist or some other way that you try to sell that vehicle direct. However, when we do that, that comes with some risk. The risk is that something will not be right on the car and the buyer will come back to you. You might have to run around with a registry of motor vehicles. Like if you have a loan on your car, you may need to pay the car loan off in order to sell it. Whereas if you traded the car in, you could trade the debt in at the same time. People do that all the time. 
it's not the most fiscally sounding option, but it is easy. And people tend to do it because it's easy. But if you can sell the car and the car is in good shape, especially if the car is in great shape and low miles, you can do much better uh, by selling it outright, maybe as much as 20%. You can access car values right on the internet to look up what your car is worth on sites like kellybluebook.com or consumerreports.org. It's important to know what your vehicle is worth before you start trying to figure out how and when you're going to sell it. One point Consumer Reports made very clearly, is if you're really thinking about selling your car outright, you should do that before you purchase your new car. That people get into trouble when they feel like they're too close. And what ends up happening is that they end up selling the car quicker and for less money. So if you really want to get the most out of your trade-in, you need to do that first. Second is, if you want to get more money for your trade-in, clean it out and clean it up. Car dealers for turn-ins, they want it to be easy. If that car is clean and everything works in the car, then it's easier for them to get rid of it, whether they're going to sell it to another dealer, try to sell it themselves. It really doesn't matter. If it's a filthy mess, they know that the, the engine is too. So if you could clean your car up a little bit, that would be smart. You can do things like wipe up around your engine block with regular cleaner and paper towel. I wouldn't recommend necessarily hosing off your engine block because I'm not really sure that that's always good. Cars do have a lot of electronics in them. So maybe just getting rid of some of the grime. So cleaning your car up, making it look as good as it can, and then ultimately selling it by the venue that helps you make the most money or is the easiest for you if making the most money isn't your point. Now, this kind of led me to think a little bit about how much money people spend on cleaning their cars, because, you know, I am kind of a car girl, so I like a great car and I like it clean. And I'm the girl that's always like making sure my car is clean. I have a great husband. He takes it through the car wash for me and he fills it with gas and he makes sure it's all ready to go. So when I'm on the road, I'm ready to roll. I'm always grateful for that, but I'm always wondering about those packages at the gas station at the uh, car wash and how much money people spend. So... Consumer Reports actually was wondering about this a little bit too. And so what they found out, which I was very surprised, they said, wash it regularly. Wax it, maybe every three months. Do you need to buy the spray on wax when you go through? I got to tell you that I'm always interested in buying that premium package or the good package. And so just like the regular wash, the premium wash and the extra special premium wash, most consumers buy the one in the middle and car wash people know that just like everybody else who sells you stuff knows that. But actually really the regular wash is probably the best one most of the time. And then once in a while, maybe every three months or so, you want to wash the undercarriage. Unless of course you live in New England like I do, but there's a lot of salt on the road from the winters. You're going to want to maybe do it a little bit more frequently during the winter. But do you need to do it every time? The answer is no once in a while, and then once in a while, a hard wax. See, it used to be that uh, you had to take care of your car all the time or the paint was going to chip. I can remember having this car where the paint faded. You know, I'm dating myself back here into the 70s. I think you guys all remember what those cars look like. But today, the paint compound on cars is significantly better, and the shine is meant to last 10 years. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's probably longer than most of us are going to own a car. It doesn't mean don't take care of it, 
But you don't have to buy that premium car wash every time you go to the car wash. In fact, you probably shouldn't. So this is the last point that I'd like to make about cars. Even though the gas prices right now are about $2.35 a gallon nationwide, I, and I'm sure all of you probably remember when it looked closer to four bucks. That wasn't all that long ago, uh, but it was incredibly painful. I can remember my office in New Hampshire, across the street and down the road, there's a mobile gas station. And I would kind of look out and see what they were pricing for gas. And that's kind of how, how bad I knew people would feel. Because gas is something that you have to see and you have to buy almost every day. So I'd look out that window and I'd say, oh my God, $3.97, people are just going to be crazy. Because what that meant is that was an extra $30 or $40 a month that they were going to spend in gasoline that they weren't prepared to spend times every car that they have. And for those that commuted, it was even worse. So even though gas has been deceptively low for a while, it's lulled people into this idea that gas is never going to be expensive again. But when prices spike like that, the automobile companies respond by making cars that are more gas friendly, i.e. the Toyota Prius. 54 miles a gallon. You could go a lot of places on 54 miles a gallon. But not only electric and hybrid cars, but even like regular old cars are more gas effective than they were even 10 years ago. In fact, what I found was really interesting is I have, I have an Audi SUV and it gets 24 miles to the gallon. I'm like, I have had sedans that didn't get that. I was pretty excited. And part of what they have is they have this evergreen technology that when they're sitting at a red light, it shuts the engine off. And that's part of what's saving me all this money and fuel. Now, gas is really cheap and I'm really happy about that because, you know, I'm happy for me and I'm happy for everybody else. But I don't want to get caught because I think Americans got caught the last time gas spiked. They were out buying the Hemi, blah, 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 eight trink cup holder two-car person car. And they got caught owning a great big vehicle with a tremendous amount of gas expense and then gas spiked. And so what we have to remember is we can't control when the price of gas is going to change. We can only control how much that's going to hurt when it happens by what we choose to drive. Today, there are many efficient gas vehicles out there on the road today for consumers. You want to shop both price price to maintain it, and then price to drive it, because all of those things will matter in your long-term planning of your finances. As I said, the April edition of the Consumer Reports Guide, Best and Worst Cars, Trucks, and SUVs, is available on newsstands now. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>